You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. What's up, everybody? This is Trey Biddy with Hogsports.com, H-A-W-G-Sports.com. Back with you after a little bit of a hiatus, but we've got plenty to talk about today, a lot to go over. So buckle up. Let's get into it. All that and more on today's episode of Hogsports Live. Before we get started, I want to remind you there's plenty of ways to watch and listen. You can always tune in on, on Facebook Live. Be sure to follow the page. Be one of 90,000 Razorback fans to follow the page. Uh, give us a like on the video and um, also tune on on YouTube. Uh, give us a thumbs up there. Subscribe to the page and hit the notifications bell so you're alerted anytime we upload new videos. Also available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere else you can think of to find your favorite podcast. Hogs Sports is just $1 right now for your first month or 30% off for your first year so. If you want to dive in with us, with all of our Razorback coverage, those of you who did, I think you uh, were rewarded for our fall camp coverage. And not only that, but the the insight that Curtis Wilkerson brought with his uh, Razorback basketball coverage. I think Curtis wrote like 30 or 35 articles just on Arkansas's foreign tour. So uh, I'm pleased to say also that we led the network in those new signups. So I appreciate everybody jumping in when we did that fall camp uh, promotion right at the start but led the entire country in new signups at Arkansas. Love seeing Arkansas at the top, so thanks to all of you guys for that. All right, where do we want to start? Start at the beginning, right? So just before we go, I just want to say, like, we haven't done the show in a little bit. It's been like a couple weeks, actually, since we've done the show. We'll get more on a schedule, obviously. This will probably be the last week that we do one show a week, but we'll get more on a schedule, and – Actually, Mondays from here on out will be later because we'll have Sam Pittman's press conference at noon. So Monday's show will be in the afternoon now. Okay, Thursday's show will be about this time also, around 11, 11.30 or so, where we preview the upcoming opponent. Okay, so this will be the last week that we do just a Monday show. Then it'll be Monday afternoon, Thursday late morning, and then, of course, the walk and talk on Saturdays after the game. So that's the plan moving forward. Got to get this out of the way. It's distracting me. All right, so I put together a depth chart. Again, this is um, not the official depth chart for the University of Arkansas. This is just my opinion, and I figure we'll kind of go through position by position first. Go ahead and get your questions in because we're going to get to those as well. But we're going to kind of go position by position. Look, when I answer your questions, I'll, I'll probably throw a video up here at the end so we can watch some video also obviously KJ Jefferson's had a great camp I think the big story with Malik Hornsby is that he's probably not going to play as much wide receiver as we were initially expecting in fact through the 14 practices that they've had already they did not run him at wide receiver at any of the open viewing viewing time when we were out there now what I would expect to happen I think you're going to see I think you're going to see Malik have a package where he lines up at wide receiver shifts over to quarterback you're going to see stuff like him come in and it's like a surprise deal and you know they'll run a jet sweep with him or they'll shift him in at quarterback and let him take a quick direct snap kind of a wildcat thing some double pass stuff with KJ Jefferson you know those kinds of plays and I think we'll see that actually maybe a little bit more than they're kind of letting you believe right now okay I think that they'll use Malik Hornsby in that kind of you know, I don't know, slash type of role, um, but maybe not as much as just lining up at wide receiver play after play, okay? And a big reason for that is the progress they've made at that position. That's really been probably the talk of camp, how impressive Arkansas's wide receivers have been. And not just the, you know, first four guys that we talk about a lot, but, I mean, guys like Quincy McAdoo, Sam Bakke, Isaiah Satania. Isaiah Satania. We're going to talk about that pronunciation real quick because the pronunciation guy says Isaiah Satania. Yet I hear players, coaches say Satagna. So I've gone back and forth. And I need to just ask Isaiah, but we can't talk to the freshman. <laughs> so uh, it makes it a little bit difficult. But I'm going with Satania. That's what the press guide pronunciation says. Okay. So we're going Satania. I've heard it many different ways. 
But those wide receivers have been really impressive. And, you know, uh, Jaden Wilson also, Bryce Steve. I mean, if it wasn't for transfers, those guys I named would be like your top six wide receivers because, I mean, you've got – let's just look at it real quick. Matt Landers – Keetron Jackson also would be among that top six. Uh, but Matt Landers, Warren Thompson, and Jaden Hazelwood are all transfers. So the next guys would be Keytron, Bakke, Jaden Wilson, McAdoo, Satania, Satania uh, Bryce Stevens. Those would be really the guys that would be your starting wide receivers. So just to look at those guys, Matt Landers, we knew he was – and I talked about him a little bit in the last show, but Matt Landers, we knew he was big, but surprisingly fast. And everybody, anybody you ask – Who's been difficult to cover from the defensive backs? Ask the wide receivers and quarterbacks. Who's been standing out for you? Matt Landers, Matt Landers, Matt Landers. Now, I have said I think that Matt Landers could lead them in receiving yards this season. Maybe not catches, but receiving yards. Okay, he had like 25 catches for 500 yards or something ridiculous at Toledo. But he's been not just a, a pleasant surprise, but better, I think, than people expected. Now, the knock on him out of Georgia was, hey, great practice player. Warren Thompson has come along as far as anybody has. And I'm talking this dude makes serious plays in practice. You know, watching him in low red zone, I think he could be a guy that they really target in that area. But he has been exceptionally impressive. Like, he's probably made the biggest jump, not just from last season to now, but from the spring to now. Warren Thompson. Jaden Hazelwood has really come on. Sam Pittman says, you know, from the spring to now. We haven't seen Hazelwood as much in the practice times that we've watched where somebody makes it a oh, wow type of play. We haven't seen that as much, but that's more coming from the coaches, how impressed they are with Hazelwood. He seems really locked in. And I've actually got Matt Landers, Warren Thompson, and Jaden Hazelwood as my top three wide receivers right now, with Keetron Jackson being the fourth guy. And Keetron has kind of been – that's not a knock on him, but he's kind of been, it seems like, more Mr. Steady, Eddie, Mr. Consistent. Uh, in the spring, he was with the first group the whole time. But, I mean, you just hear so much about Hazelwood, Thompson, and Landers making big plays. It's a big group of wide receivers, too. That's 6'5", 6'3", 6'3". That's your biggest possible combination unless you had Landon Rodgers, who actually have a little bit lower the depth chart because Landon's like 6'4", too. But Jaden Wilson, who's been banged up here a little bit lately – I think they're hoping to get him back this week. He's had a really impressive camp. Quincy McAdoo has probably been – what's the word I'm looking for? The – I'd just say he's better than what anybody I think expected. He makes a play every day we're out there. And I'm talking about really impressive, like leaping out of his shoes type of play or just contorting his body. Quincy McAdoo is going to be a stud. He will be a stud for them. And I think Bakke could be too. And I know Satania has the capability. I mean, out of all of them, Satania's probably one that's going to play the most. I've got Satania as the backup slot behind Hazelwood. It's a good-looking crew of young wide receivers. Now, I like some of the things Bryce Stevens done. I, I wonder a little bit about his reliability with his hands. I've seen him drop some passes. But it's a good-looking group of wide receivers. I think Arkansas fans and maybe the nation is going to be a little bit surprised how well they're going to make up for Traylon Burks. Not that you just make up for a guy like that, but, man, I mean, they, they look good. And I think, I think KJ's throwing the ball really well also. Now, running back, obviously it's Rocket Sanders, A.J. Green's two. I've heard some people say DeBinion's maybe past A.J. Green. I, I'm not seeing that. DeBinion, I think, has a, a, is really good. And James Joyner, I think, has had a really good camp. But – the pass protection from DeBinion isn't there yet. He has really struggled in that department. He'll get better just like all freshman backs do, but DeBinion has struggled a little bit in that department. Um, but Sanders is a clear number one to me with Dominic Johnson out. I think when Dominic Johnson gets healthy and they're supposed to try to start working him into individual stuff today, today's practice is at 4.30, I think, 4.10 or 4.30, four something. But um, – they're going to start working him in individual. We're not expecting to see him for Cincinnati game, but hopefully he'll be back at some point this season. Once that happens, I think you'll start seeing a pretty even split between him and Rocket Sanders if they both stay healthy. So, But good-looking group of running backs, especially when they got Dominic Johnson in there. A.J. Green, I think, has had a really strong camp. He's just less proven. You know, You know what you got in Rocket Sanders. Tight ends. 
Tight ends, the order I have them right now is Trey Knox, Nathan Bax, Ty Washington, and then Hudson Henry fourth. Now, Hudson has talent. Don't count him out. But his time is definitely running out, and Tyrus Washington has really come on. He's added some good weight. He's catching the ball really well like a receiver. I think Tyrus Washington is going to play a lot. I think he'll play some at tight end, but I think you'll see him a lot on special teams, like on all of them. Uh, Nathan Bax, I think, has had a really good camp catching the ball well. And then Trey Knox hit his goal way to 245. He was 215 this time last year. Heaviest he'd ever been was 215. Got up to about 227 throughout the season. And now rocking 245. Looks apart. Looks like a tight end in the SEC. Could have a nice year. I think probably the biggest surprise through camp is just, you know, the confidence that they have in Luke Jones at left tackle. I mean, they're not even blinking. With I mean, end up working to Kias Crawford at right tackle behind Dalton Wagner. Dalton Wagner made it through all of camp healthy. The back hasn't been an issue, so that's a good sign. I think Takias Crawford will be the sixth man on this offensive line. They talk about wanting to have eight guys. You know, usually it's a it's a six-man type of deal. I'll tell you what's going to happen, okay? If they have an injury or something, somebody has to come out of a game for some reason. Say Ricky Stromberg has to come out for a few plays. I think what they would do is move Bo Limmer to center and then move Takias Crawford to right guard. I don't think you'll see like them go to Marcus Henderson, who's – been in green. He's supposed to be, you know, getting back working full hopefully this week. But I don't think you'll just see them go to the next center on the on the list. I think it'll be a shift. Bo Lemmer to center and then Takias Crawford in at right guard. If something happened at left tackle, I don't know if they'd move Takias Crawford in at left tackle, but I think they would probably move late, uh, Brady Latham over at left tackle, slide him out from left guard to left tackle, which we saw last year, and then put Takias Crawford at left guard. Obviously, he's the backup right tackle, so he would go right in there. So, and, you know, right guard, I think you'd see him come in there too. If something happened with Bo Limmer, I think you'd see him come in at right guard. So, that's kind of how I see things working out on the offensive line. They say they want a top eight, and I get that, but really, I think that's how it would shake out. I think we're going to see Takis Crawford a good bit. So, there's no big surprises on the offensive line either, other than, you know, just the level of confidence they feel in Luke Jones. Not that it's a surprise, but I don't know that we were all quite expecting just for him to go through all 14 practices just basically unchallenged at left tackle. It's a good-looking young group, man. Uh, keep an eye on Patrick Kudis moving up, maybe playing this year. He, he could possibly do that. Could be a guy that's on a lot of special teams. They really like him. I said before, the thing I noticed with Patrick Kudis was – Wow, bigger than I thought. And I already liked him based on his film, but he was bigger than I thought he was going to be. But him, um, Marion Harris, Andrew Chambly, who had a really good camp also, ran a lot of second-team tackle because Devon Manuel was banged up. You know, those three guys really are special-looking players. And Eli Henderson, too. But just the size of those three guys I just mentioned and the talent level, it's, it's a good-looking young group for real. Defensive line, now I kind of went with a four-man front. So here's how it's going to look in a four-man. I think you got Jashad Stewart, probably had the break, most breakout camp out of the, the defensive linemen. Um, I say that. I should say defensive ends because hold on a second. But Jashad Stewart looking at left. And this is a four-man front again. Left end. He goes about 6'2", 251. thing I've always heard about people, like fans and stuff, about Jashad Stewart is – um, why didn't he play linebacker? 6'2", 251, perfect linebacker size. You know, he doesn't have long arms. He, he's taller than he is long, which isn't a very common trait for a defensive end. But the mentality of this guy is just 100 miles an hour, one speed, all energy. And that's a defensive end. That's not necessarily a linebacker where, you know, you have to have that, but you also have to be able to throttle it down and have some patience and stuff, you know. So – He's a defensive end at heart. There's no question mentally and with his heart. Maybe built like a linebacker. That happens a lot in college. Right defensive end, Zach Williams has held on to that spot. So Jordan Dominic has really started to come on. Slow start, but he has come on. Landon Jackson looks like a million bucks. But it's going to be Jashad Stewart and Zach Williams as the first guys. You're going to see a pretty decent rotation. You know, They're going to play 55 snaps. The backups are going to play the rest of it. You know, defensive tackle, you know, 45 to 50 snaps. The backups will play the rest of it. So, uh, it'll be a pretty steady rotation with those guys. Eric Gregory is your starting defensive tackle. 
uh, in a four-man front, uh, along with Isaiah Nichols. Those are your two interior guys in a four-man front. Now, they go to a three-man front, you're going to have Eric Gregory at left end, Isaiah Nichols at defensive tackle, and Zach Williams at right end. So a little bit different there. Four-man front, it'll be Jashad Stewart with Eric Gregory coming inside. All right, so the backups, I mentioned Landon Jackson and uh, Jordan Dominic, But after that, uh, on, on the interior, Terry Hampton, I think, is probably going to play as much as any defensive tackle. They really, really like him. In fact, next to Bo Limmer, this is the strongest guy on the team. He's the strongest defensive guy on the team. Bo Limmer's number one, and Terry Hampton's probably number two. You know, he's a little bit shorter, probably 6'1". Uh, you know, he's got an interesting story. El Dorado, 5'11 and a half, 254 pound as a recruit. That's a camp measurement. Um, so, wasn't heavily recruited. This guy was the number 122 defensive tackle prospect in the country, like 1,700 overall. <laughs> Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition the two-way v4 gives you the tools to play at a high level learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds you tell progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. So not heavily recruited, but a guy that, um, you know, has gotten bigger, obviously incredibly strong, and he's going to help him this year. Built-in leverage, understands leverage. I mean, really comes at you. Heavy hands, as they say. But we're going to see a lot of him. Cameron Ball also had a good camp, but he was banged up a little bit. Nico Davier is probably, and that's how you say it, Nico is probably emerged as much as any freshman on the defensive side of the ball. Um, 270 pounds, 280 pounds or so. He'll, he's kind of in the mold of an Eric Gregory where you play him at end in a three-man front and you play him at defensive tackle in a four-man front. That's kind of where his role is, and we're going to see him this year. I don't think he's going to redshirt. They've, they've really liked what they've seen out of him. That's kind of where things stand with the with the first group. Hoping to get Marcus Miller back this week, coming back from injury. Torian Carter, October, November. It's going to be a while on Torian Carter, so don't get your hopes up there. There's a lot of different information going out there, but it's going to be a while. Linebackers, no big surprise. Bumper Pool and Drew Sanders. Now, we have seen them run a little 3-3-5 look occasionally. And when they do that, they'll have Christopher Paul in with Bumper Pool at linebacker and then Drew Sanders at outside linebacker. I've, I've seen him in a two-point stance. I don't think I've seen him in a three-point, but I, I'm sure that they could do that. But lined up right on the line of scrimmage, he's probably their best pass rusher. So, I think we could possibly see that package a decent bit. I mean, he's just kind of freakish, 6'5", 235 pounds. Super strong, super fast, super quick. They really like what they've seen out of him. In fact, out of all the transfers, I don't know. It's hard to say. They really like Landers and, and Hazelwood, but Drew Sanders has definitely been impressive for them. So, they'll go bumper pull Drew Sanders in a two-linebacker look. Christopher Paul probably being that third guy and probably a pretty fair, even rotation, uh, kind of like they did last year with Hayden Henry, bumper pull, and Grant Morgan. Jordan Crook, I think, is probably the fourth linebacker on this team right now as a freshman. I give him a slight edge over Jackson Woodard, who I think will also play. You'll see Jordan Crook and Jackson Woodard a lot on special teams. I think they'll probably be able to redshirt Caden Henley, Marco Avant, probably a lot of special team work since he's now a redshirt freshman. At safety, now, okay, so what we saw – Miles Slusher missed the last few practices that we've been to. So, Miles Slusher's been out a little bit. He's It's not a long-term deal. He's going to be back. But what they showed us by doing that is if Miles Slusher's out, it doesn't look like they'll just go straight to Ja'Cory Turner. It looks like they're going to move Jaden Johnson over there, who's the starting boundary safety. So, boundary safety and nickelback are pretty – 
pretty much mirror each other. They may be a little bit different in terms of where they are on the line of scrimmage, but uh, close to the line of scrimmage. But they pretty much mirror each other. Jaden Johnson played that position last year at about 230. He's about 205 right now. That's about, I mean, it's 25 pounds lighter than he played at last year. So he was a hulking safety and now uh, obviously going to be a little bit lighter, help his speed and agility, all those kinds of things. So, uh, but that's what they'll probably do at nickel because they like Latavius Brini a lot. Latavius Brini is is also, um, you know, right there probably battling with Jaden Johnson for that starting uh, boundary safety spot, the transfer from Georgia. But you'll see both of those guys a good bit. Slusher, your starting nickel, as I mentioned. Ja'Cory Turner, technically your backup. But as I just mentioned, that, that could be different in a real game situation. Jalen Catalan, obviously, preseason All-American on a couple of lists now. Uh, your starting middle safety. I've got Anthony Brown backing him up, the freshman. They like Anthony Brown a lot. Obviously, he enrolled early. Had a really good offseason. And then Simeon Blair has gone pretty much wire to wire at field safety. And behind him, Trent Gordon's actually made a pretty nice move up the the list but these these positions I mean they want these guys to know every single position you know so if you had anything happen at safety then you know Latavius Brini's the next guy in it's not necessarily where these guys fit on a depth chart it's fun to look at but you know Latavius Brini is the next man up no matter where, no matter what they have to shuffle around, including Nickelback, whatever they have to shuffle around, Latavius Brini's going in in some capacity. Cornerbacks. This has been probably the, the most contested battle of camp. I would say the only guy that I would say for sure is starting the opener is Hudson Clark. Hudson Clark has led all defensive backs and in interceptions through camp through 14 practices with four. He set the tone in the first practice with a pick on K.J. Jefferson to end their, you know, go win it type segment. So Hudson Clark has had a really strong camp. Um, I think the left guy could be Ladarius Bishop right now. Could also be Malik Chavis. Could also be Dwight McLaughlin, Nudie McLaughlin. Nobody knows why he's called Nudie. We haven't had a conversation with him yet, and I'm hoping that will happen at some point. But Sam Pippen doesn't know. Other cornerbacks on the team that I've asked, they don't know. Like, I'll ask after – like, I don't want to sit there in the press conference and say, why do we call him Nudie? You know, so after the press conference is over, I'll go up to the podium and say, hey, do you guys know why this dude is called Nudie? <laughs> like, what does it mean? And nobody can tell me. So, if anybody out there knows, leave it in the comments. But still trying to find out why this dude's called Nudie McLeathern. But anyway, I think it'll be Hudson Clark, Ladarius Bishop, could also be Malik Chavis. Could also be Dwight McLaughlin. We're going to see all those guys a lot. Kewan Parker's had a good camp. Kari Johnson has had a good camp. He could also play um, safety if they needed him there. On to special teams. Cam Little's your kicker. They want Blake Ford to win that kickoff job so Cam Little can focus on um, – on field goals, but Cameron Little's been a little bit better, mainly not so much on distance, but uh, he's kicked it out fewer times. I think Blake Ford had a couple of kickoff out of bounds in this last scrimmage that they had. Reed Bowers is going to be your starting punter most likely, unless they just need somebody to kick the hell out of the ball, and that's probably Max Fletcher. So I could see them – they'll probably travel both punters. I could see them both, uh, you know, going with both of those guys. Um, you know, Bauer maybe if they need a – specialty kick and Fletcher maybe if they need I don't know maybe if they decide they need a rugby then maybe Max Fletcher is your guy though Rebauer has done that also but if they need somebody just to boot the hell out of the ball then Max Fletcher probably Eli Stein has won the long stop, uh, snapper job the freshman which you would expect out of scholarship freshman uh, Holder Reed Bauer he was holder of the year last year so they're not just going to stop with Reed Bauer had two trick plays that were very successful I thought it was interesting with Reed Bauer talking with him. Like, nobody wanted him to hold for them the year before last because he wasn't good at it. Got his hand kicked one time. like, But he worked really hard in the offseason, ended up being named holder of the year. So, Reed Bauer, your starting holder. Punt returner could be an ongoing battle. Bryce Stevens probably going to trot out there first, but watch out for Isaiah Satania. The way they talk about him, closing the gap and stuff, I think it's just a matter of time with with Satania. They're not scared of putting him out there one bit. Kickoff returner probably A.J. Green, Matt Landers. Jaden Hazelwood still in the mix there too. But looking more like A.J. Green and Matt Landers is your kickoff returner. That's pretty much it. That's my thoughts on it.
I like this team a lot. I mean, I've said that numerous times that my thoughts on this team are man for man, depth-wise, across the board, balance. It's as good a looking team as I've seen at Arkansas. That's a mouthful. It's as good looking a team across the board as I've seen at Arkansas. Now, why is that? Because of the transfer portal. I mean, you got schools like Ole Miss with 17 guys in the transfer portal. An eighth of that, a couple of years, just a couple of years ago, would have been a pretty hefty haul. Arkansas has nine, and all of them are pretty real deal. Ten, including Cade Fortin, who's not on scholarship. I mean, they're pretty real deal quality, big, experienced veteran corner, uh, veteran players. Now, any other year in the past, you'd be talking about freshmen coming in and filling this role. We're talking about maybe four or five freshmen playing because, like, think about this. How does this team look right now without – these are transfers. Warren Thompson's been there a couple of years now, but he's a transfer. How does this team look without Warren Thompson, Jaden Hazelwood, and Matt Landers? You know, how do they look? Nathan Bax is a transfer, too. He transferred up. That's 2019. It's been a while. But how does this team look without those guys? How does this team look without Terry Hampton at defensive tackle? How does it look without Landon Jackson and Jordan Dominic, Drew Sanders, Latavius Breeny, Dwight McLaughlin? Of course, they'd still have a couple of guys because some guys transferred away from them. But – that's where – I mean, they have really filled in the gaps. They did exactly what they wanted to do in the offseason, and they didn't just get guys to fill the depth chart. They got guys that are going to play and some guys that are going to start for them, okay? They did a fantastic job. Now, I don't know. Did Ole Miss get 17 guys that are going to impact their roster? 20% of their roster is transfers. Are all those guys good or is five of them good? But I, that's what that's what is the hesitation with me because I can look at this team and see – Compared to past Arkansas teams that I've covered, wow, really good-looking team, really deep. But is everybody elevated? Is Mississippi State, are their riders looking at what Mississippi State's going, man, this is about as deep as I've ever seen them. Ole Miss. Is the talent level for everybody elevated? That's where this season is tricky. We're, we're in the process of coming up with our final season predictions. I'll tell you right now, I'm hovering around nine for the regular season. But that is something I think about. Brad Crawford has Arkansas at 10 wins right now, his projection, 24-7 sports. But that's that's kind of where I am right now. And, and a lot of it comes down to when it comes to the close games and the schedule and everything, we're talking special teams, aren't we? And I like Arkansas special teams. We're talking who's got the better quarterback, and I like Arkansas, I like Arkansas's quarterback. So that could be some of the things that it comes down to. I'll tell you this, too, like Arkansas last year – Started things off. The opening kickoff was fumbled. That's usually an indicator of how the season's going. It wasn't last year. But the opening kickoff was fumbled. They had 13 penalties for over 100 yards. It wasn't a good start in those departments. Um, now, they cleaned it up against Texas, obviously. They still had a special teams gaffe. I mean, they almost the whole momentum of the game almost changed when Greg Brooks dropped that punt. Luckily for Arkansas, dude was stepping out of bounds. But those are the kinds of things that are going to decide games. Penalties, special teams. Turnovers, turnovers, penalties, special teams. That's the TPS report. Those are three keys to every game, victory in every game. Turnovers, penalties, special teams, every game. TPS report, coin, not to be used without special permission, hogsports.com, Trey Biddy. A little nod to office space. So, anyway, that's where I'm at. That's what I think about this team. I think they look really good. I would like if you could take this team and pit them up against past Arkansas teams. Now, Arkansas has had some game breakers before, obviously. Like, you wouldn't say I'd take this backfield over McFadden, Felix Jones, Peyton Hillis, Michael Smith. I'm not saying that, you know. But I am saying when you look at the depth, the overall balance of this team, it's a pretty dang good looking team. And I think Sam Pittman feels that too. And I think he probably feels the same way I do about, well, what's everybody else got with their transfer portal situations? Some rule changes for college football. You can appeal targeting penalties. Um, there's an altered rule against faking injuries. So the rule on faking injuries, this is 
I mean, there's nothing you can do about it. You just have to expect that somebody would have some integrity and decency. Like, what is Lane Kiffin doing? Because everybody points to Lane Kiffin because they know that they're faking injuries. And, heck, if he feels like he can get an advantage over it, I guess that's what he's going to do, you know. But from an integrity of the game standpoint, it's it's kind of pathetic. Like, what do you – like? like, you're compromising the integrity of everybody, like your trainers and stuff. Like, what's that conversation like? Hey, so if – you know, we get down to the goal line and, you know, we're a little gassed or we need a timeout and we don't have one or we don't want to burn one. We're going to just have the defensive tackle fall down and hold his leg. And you guys, as medical trainers, we're going to ask you to compromise your integrity and go out there and act like this guy's injured. Is that the conversation that you're having? Because if it is, that's pretty pathetic. I mean, isn't it? Like everybody compromises their integrity. I mean, that's on you too, training staff. That's on you. If you're out there doing that, then that's on you. I'm not saying you are for sure 100%, but, I mean, that's what it sounds like to me, and not just Ole Miss, but everybody. I'm not accusing anybody of anything. I'm just saying, like, if Lane Kiffin is doing what everybody thinks he is, and not just Lane Kiffin, but, like, what is it? who else? The training staff? Who else is in on it? Anyway, so the rule is now that if you suspect something fishy, you can submit that to the league office. Like, Kiffin's going to sit there and go, oh, man, somebody might submit this to the league office, and what are they going to – I mean, what like a post-game – like if the game comes down to it and he feels like he needs to have somebody fake an injury, he's going to do it. He's not going to be like, oh, they might hand down some kind of penalty – like, what's the penalty going to be? The next game? The other team that you face is going to get a penalty? According to the NCAA, in an attempt to crack down on teams awarded an injury timeout after a player fakes an injury, schools and conferences will be able to report questionable scenarios to the national coordinator of officials. The coordinator will provide feedback. Any penalties levied would be upon the conference office or school involved. I mean, give me a break. Who gives a... Who cares? <laughs> so nothing's changing. Nothing's changing with targeting. I guarantee you last year, I don't care what they say, I guarantee you last year on targeting that somebody said, hey, back off a little bit on these targeting penalties. And they're touting like a targeting call for every five, one targeting call for every five games. That's not how I remember the beginning of the season starting out last year. Do you? I remember being like, Holy crap, something's got to change. This is ridiculous. We're reviewing every single play. I can remember Arkansas playing, who was it? Was it Alabama? I can't remember who it was, but Hayden Henry came in, busted through the line of scrimmage. I mean, it was a it was a play where they had to have a stop on like a fourth down, and helmet-to-helmet's the running back, and they stop him, and Arkansas celebrates, but it's a helmet-to-helmet, and they didn't call it versus the beginning of the year, Every little thing was called, and there was a lot of people ejected. I guarantee you, I don't care what they say, I guarantee you, somebody said from the office, all right, pull it back a little bit. All right, you've made your point or something, or this is this is too much, pull it back, only egregious stuff. Um, I mean, think about the first game. First of all, Hayden Henry sat out the first game last year because of a penalty Excuse me, he sat out the first game, the first half of the first game last year because of a penalty in the last half of the last game the year before. This is a guy that was, like, deciding whether or not to come back for his super senior year or not. And you're, you're coming back and like, oh, by the way, you're going to sit out a half of the first game for this penalty. Grant Morgan got penalized, I think, maybe like, like the second freaking drive. Like, you're amped up, you're geeked up, you've been working all year to play your first game, and your star player, Grant Morgan, gets booted out of the game in the first quarter, I think, and has to sit out the rest of the game. And then in the second half, with like five minutes left, six minutes left in the game, Bumper Pool, who's getting ready to play his home state school of Texas the next week, Gets hit with a targeting penalty. Jalen Catalan, I think, was also hit with something. Maybe just a personal foul. Maybe it was reversed or something. But it feels like they threw the flag on it and then didn't call targeting but levied the personal foul or something. I can't remember. 
But anyway, nothing's going to change. They may pull back on it a little bit how much they call it, and they should, in my opinion. Like, if a guy's just making a football play, if it's very unintentional, if it's, you know, if somebody's coming in spearing, lowering their head, like if it's egregious, I get it, okay? You can't have that kind of stuff. But if somebody's just like, like their face mask nicks a helmet a little bit as they go in to make a tackle or the guy's like, this is the one that kills me, offensive player, is lowering their head. Defensive players trying to go tackle them low, trying to do the right thing, but their helmets click. Get him out of there. He's a bad person. He's trying to hurt somebody. I mean, there's other penalties. You know, there's like blocking below the waist. You guys can read up all and all that stuff. Nobody wants to hear me, you know, sit here and talk about all the different things. Taunting. Now, this is actually – this is this was made um, – a few years ago, but I, th- I guess it's just now being enforced. But taunting during a touchdown run is now being treated as a live ball foul. So if a player, for those watching, like holds the ball out, like starts high-stepping or something before he gets into the end zone, spot of the foul penalty. We don't want these guys to have fun. I mean, these guys to be robots, right? Who cares? Who cares? If somebody makes a great play and wants to high step to the end zone, let them. It's like who cares? Like if somebody wants to hang on the rim in basketball after a dunk, who cares? Why? Is it, who cares? Who is that hurting? Now I understand like standing over a player and like doing you know getting in their face or something. All right, yeah, that's kind of crappy. But like raising your hand up before you cross the goal line, looking back at a guy or holding the ball at any of that stuff. Who cares? Like, these are the things that you're trying to fix. Nobody cares about this stuff. People do care about NIL, which is nothing has been done on that. Nothing has been changed to regulate that. People care about this ridiculous transfer portal. There's been talk of transfer windows. I don't think anything's happened. It's like that stuff, like, let's move the three-point line three inches back. Nobody cares about that stuff. It's ridiculous. like just doing stuff to do so. Nobody cares about this taunting stuff. I see players spiking the ball all the time. All last year, I saw players spiking the football. That's supposed to be a penalty. Nobody called it. You just call it when you feel like you need to. I mean, you haven't fixed anything with officiating. I don't care what anybody says, McDade. Man, I'm ready to get this season started. Getting worked up. I mean, this is going to be the longest 12 days of your life (laughs) coming up here. Danny West has a nice breakdown on the visit list. There's a lot of interesting players coming in to visit for this Cincinnati game. 2.30 kickoff. ESPN, right? 2.30 kickoff. It's a good time. Not a great time, obviously. You like a night game for recruiting visitors. But 2.30 is a lot better than 11 for visits. And the next week you do have an 11 o'clock game, which I think is still good because – it's on ESPN, okay? So it's not like it's on SEC Network. You don't have you're watching College Game Day, and then they like seamlessly transition it to Fayetteville, Arkansas, and so everybody's watching that. Everybody who's watching Game Day just kind of naturally before they know it, they're watching the Arkansas game, Arkansas South Carolina. So not a bad spot to be in with uh, that eleven o'clock South Carolina game. Obviously, you'd like it earlier. It doesn't feel like it's going like this week. I think it's may touch ninety degrees. Maybe next week it won't be so bad at two thirty. Especially if you're in the East Stands. Those are the people that get it. East Stands, North End Zone, those people get the sun. But it it doesn't sound like it's going to be too bad. I even heard one person say an extended forecast might be like 83 degrees or something. That'd be nice. We'd take that, wouldn't we? Damn right we'd take that. Uh, switching over to basketball real quick, Layden Blocker moved up to, I think, number 29 nationally, Arkansas commit from the class of 2023. But he is a spot away from five-star status. There's a little bit of movement with some other guys like Ron Holland. I think he dropped down just a hair. He's a five-star. Bayfall, I think he dropped down maybe like two spots or something, three spots. So Bayfall dropped down three spots, five-star center. Ron Holland dropped down. So, Bayfall dropped down to 13. Uh, Ron Holland dropped down one spot. Season number 12 nationally. 
man, if you guys didn't read, and there's there's some other guys, Danny, uh, excuse me, Curtis breaks down several other guys that are uh, in Arkansas's on Arkansas's radar. But first of all, uh, first of all, almost lastly, we're going to get to questions here in a minute. But I just want to say. Uh, to the team at Hog Sports, wow. I mean, I think this was our best job ever covering fall camp and basketball also. Just the, you know, a bit of a – it's not really the cluster that I always say comes later in the year um, or at the beginning of the year in April, uh, May, April. But uh, a cluster of basketball and um, and football. And Andrew Ellis did a fantastic job. Like you see any of the videos that we, we put on hog sports or something, or, you know, our national team, or you're going to see on CBS stuff, a lot of like B roll stuff. Andrew Ellis put all that together. In addition to everything else that he does for hog sports with cranking out articles, you know, shooting video, helping me with observations and depth charts and stuff like that. Uh, Andrew Ellis has been a great addition to the team. Of course, Danny West, you know, Danny, I like, I like for Danny, and Danny knows that. Danny knows how to manage his time and everything. But recruiting becomes so insane that, you know, for times like this, I like, and I know Danny does too, but for him to kind of take a step back. And, you know, because you got to, in this business, you there are times where you work, you know, a month straight without a day off. And there are other times where you, you know, you got you to recognize your pockets of time and take advantage of those. But Danny stepped right in there, helped us on, you know, all kinds of stuff. In, in camp also. Uh, so I really appreciate him. Curtis, of course, uh, being Curtis Wilkerson, churning out content and covering basketball like nobody, nobody, I mean, the job that Curtis does covering basketball is ridiculous. I never would have imagined we would have had a guy covering basketball the way Curtis does. So um, thank you to all you guys if you're listening. And uh, I know all subscribers and free users and everything, I would hope that you're appreciative also. All right, we're going to get to questions. I'm going to throw up a little bit of video here. So we got a little B-roll footage going in the background while we get to your questions. Before we get started, though, last time I want to remind you of plenty of ways to watch and listen. You can always tune in on Facebook Live. Be sure to follow the page if you haven't done so already with 90,000 other Razorback fans. Throw us a like on the video if you enjoyed it and share with other people if you think they might enjoy it also. Also available on YouTube. Be sure to subscribe to that channel. Hit the notifications bell so you're alerted anytime we upload new videos and throw us a thumbs up if you're enjoying the video and share it on that platform as well. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, anywhere else you can think of to find your favorite podcast. We are there. And we would love to have a five-star review from you on Apple Podcast. If you haven't taken time to do that, please leave us a five-star rating and leave a review to let others know what to expect from the show. Hawksports is just $1 right now for your first month or 30% off for your first year. It's a great deal. And, I mean, what is that? It's like 20-something cents a day, I guess, if you do the 30% off. What else do you get for 20 cents a day? that you enjoy you can use all day long not a lot of stuff all right get to the questions now hope you watching at home those of you watching are enjoying a little bit of b-roll footage there from the video patrick ellis says my fear is if we don't use him enough he will enter the transfer portal next year uh you're talking about malik maybe um i think they're going to use him a good bit and i think he's the I think he's the projected starter. Matt Williams says video is out of sync. I've been having a little trouble with video. I changed a bunch of stuff, but I'm sorry for that. I don't know what's going on, but I've been tweaking some stuff, and hopefully I can get it figured out. So sorry about the video being out of sync. And that's really disappointing because I put a lot of work into it. My fear is if we don't use him enough, he went into transfer portal, stay in the portal. But he's the projected starter, I think, at quarterback next year also. I think KJ, if he has a good year, then he'll probably move on. Matt Wiley says, I think Crawford simply got beat on the depth chart and didn't want to wait. You're talking about Jaquel and Crawford transfer. I'm not surprised by that move. Uh, I, and, and the timing of it, too, like he, was, he had a leg injury, so it makes sense to stick around the program, get the rehab that you need, and then enter the portal. So no hard feelings there. He, just, he wasn't going to play here. Pete Roulier says, hey, Pete, says Hudson Clark surely isn't going to start, correct? He will start. Will you put – to rest this narrative from fans that he can get the job done. It's very odd so many people defend him. <laughs> well, he's going to start. I mean, so I, I have I have 
you know, said before, I think that he has a bit of a weakness when it comes to like gathering his speed again, like on a double move and stuff. But I don't think he's the worst defensive back that they have starting. I don't think he's even close to that. So he gets a lot of hate. Lisa Hancock says new day and time transfers are part of it. Yes, it, yes, that's absolutely true. Joey Burns says psychologically, what would a loss to Cincinnati do at home do to this team? I mean, they'd have to recover from it. You, I can't guarantee you that they will beat Cincinnati. I think that they will. I think they got the team to do it. Uh, but Cincinnati's got a good program. They're used to winning. They're going to come down here expecting to win. It's going to be a battle. It's not going to be an easy game by any stretch. Um, so they have to come out with their A game. And if they lose that one, then they're going to have to regroup. They have lost other games in the past. I mean, look at how badly they played against Georgia and came back and fought up. You know, they could have easily won that Ole Miss game after that. You know, so, you know, you just got to you gotta hit the reset button. It's a hard thing to do, but you got to do it if you lose a game. And, uh, I mean, odds are they're not going to go undefeated, you know. So they're going to have to bounce back from losses. Tyler Tober says, where would you rate your level of concern for depth for offense and defense this season? I think compared to what? Compared to past years? Because if it's compared to past years, it's about a one. I mean, when you, I look at the overall depth on this team, they look pretty solid to me. Now, would it have been nice to get like some another defensive tackle out of the transfer portal? Yeah, uh, you know, especially having some guys banged up a little bit. But um, would it help to have gotten another linebacker out of the transfer portal? I think maybe so. I like this team. Uh, I, compared to past Arkansas teams, depth across the board I think is as good or better than it's ever been. What returning players do you see being the most improved this season? I mentioned Warren Thompson. He's the first name that pops in my head. So, absolutely, Warren Thompson. And then, I don't know, Malik Chavis, I think, has made a significant amount of improvement. So, I would put Malik Chavis up there, too. Yeah, sorry, Don, about the delay. I tried to fix it. I reinstalled everything. I took everything apart, put it back together again. So, sorry about that. That's frustrating because that means I'm going to have to go into post-production when I put this on YouTube just to fix it. Justin Eric Cunningham says, what game do you think could trip us up? One that they should win but might not. I mean, the BYU is on everybody's radar. I mean, where it falls on the schedule right after Texas A&M, Alabama, Mississippi State, it's just a ridiculous spot on the schedule. So that's the one to watch for. I think they have a better team than BYU is going to have. But And BYU plays Notre Dame the week before that, so – Isaac Riley says, what bowl game do you expect or hope for us to make this year? It's a, it's such a crapshoot because it depends on other people, so many other factors. But obviously you'd like to play in warm weather. I've seen the Gator Bowl most recently picked, which I think Gator Bowl last year would have been Texas A&M if they had not opted out um, due to COVID issues. And Wake Forest, I think, was the other team. But I, I think we all, you know – Covering Arkansas, watching, following Arkansas, I think everybody's probably got their eye on a New Year's Six Bowl. Justin Eric Cunningham says, BYU, they're loaded. Watch some of their highlights from last year. BYU is going to be tough. They are. I think Arkansas, last year's Arkansas team against BYU's schedule would have gone 12-1 and at worst. Maybe 11-2 at worst. They don't have a great schedule, in my opinion. They got a couple of tough games by Arkansas schedule standards. Nate Davis says, to be honest, I'm just ready for a good walk and talk. Been too dang long since we've seen a good one. That's how we keep you coming back. I thought about doing one during fall camp. I was like, no, nah, I'm just going to wait. Make everybody wait a little bit. Tyler Tober says, at minimum, I think the injured player rule should be that the player that goes down should be forced to sit out the remainder of the drive. I mean, here's the problem with that, Tyler. Most of the time, the injured player deal, that happens down at the goal line. So there's only a couple of plays left usually anyway. It's usually a defensive tackle who, you know, defensive tackles a lot of times are going down. Why? Because they're tired. 
defensive tackles get tired from having to go in that hurry-up offense stuff and, and keep lining up over and over again. That position gets worn out faster than any other position on the field. So, yeah, oh, oh no, they have to come out for the rest of the drive. They were coming out anyway because they're tired. It doesn't matter. I mean, that's, 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 it seems like good on paper, but it's pointless to enforce that one. So, Landon Montgomery says, Trey, can we start a GoFundMe now to storm the field after the Bama win? I think somebody said Hunter Yurichek has already said storm the field. $250,000. We all know Jerry Jones got us, says Nate Davis. Dustin Hoofman says, get the flags out. These are grown men. They play football to hit people. I mean, you got to protect players, though. You can't. I mean, we're talking about long-term head injuries here, so. Uh, Landon Montgomery says, I had losing Fouché, but he was a complete liability on the long ball. Dustin Hoofman says, Trey Biddy, how long, how long gas, how long has, I assume, how long has it been? Since, I thought you were going to ask me about gas prices. How long has it been since you've been this excited about the start of Arkansas football season, praying everyone stays healthy? I was pretty excited last year. I was really excited about getting started. I'm excited every year, but last year in particular, uh, just because I felt like they had a chance. I mean, they exceeded my expectation. I was going back and looking at my expectations for the for the season, just some of the write-ups and that, you know, predictions and stuff. But they exceeded those expectations. Um, but I'm pretty excited about getting this season going. Um, it's hard to say I'm more excited than I was last year because I'm sure I was just as excited. Aaron Latham finished the sentence. If Arkansas starts 5-0, and let's see, that puts them winning – Alabama, right? If Arkansas starts 5-0, and they'll be ranked number one in the country. All right, everybody. Thanks for joining me. Had a fun show today. And sorry again that it's been so long. Just the way the camp schedule was, they had morning practices all last week. You know, they're trying to simulate game time. So the first week was for like 2.30 type practices. Last week was all for a morning game, like 11 o'clock practice. You know, so they prepare for the morning. This week is all going to be like 6 o'clock games because they're doing like 4.30 starts to practice. So um, that's kind of how they situated things. So it, it, doing the show was just really difficult because there was so much other stuff that we had, you know, for our subscribers and stuff who we got to take care of, of course, uh, before anything else. So thank you for joining me. We'll be back with you guys on Monday. We're going to take Thursday off. That'll be, again, the last Thursday off. So the show will go Monday, Thursday, and then Saturday walk and talk. Monday afternoon, because we have a noon press conference. Thursday morning with a pregame show. We'll usually have a guest on, a writer from another show. I think we're going to have on Josh Pate two Thursdays from now to preview the Cincinnati game with us, talk a little bit about Arkansas from the late kick. So that'll be fun. And then um, walk and talk after the game on Saturday. Sorry for the audio delay. I hope it didn't record that way, but I'm fearful that it did. But I know that's annoying. I'm trying to get that figured out, but it is – I did everything I know to do, but I'll, I'll do it again because audio is important, right? <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks for joining me, and we'll be back with you guys next week. Next week. This has been Trey Biddy with hogsports.com, and we will catch you next time. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.